0: I'm really excited to be um, in this faith series and I would I would make a comment that's a very very bold comment and the comment I would say is out of everything in the Bible everything I mean thousands of pages 66 books I mean this this dynamic explosive manuscript something that I used to be very terrified of by the way like you get a Bible you're like I don't even read it because I don't know where to go I mean it's big it's daunting but in this whole book And everything that happens, the power of God, angels, miracles, all of the beautiful mysteries and splendors of God, I would say the most important concept out of the whole Bible, even more important than grace, I would say would be faith. It would be the most important thing. Like if you did not get this thing, I think you would just... Forfeit everything you would veto all of the promises of God But if you would just get this one thing this faith thing if you would understand it if you would unpack it If you would walk in it. I believe your life would be changed I believe you would never be the same. I believe your families would be strengthened I believe your kids would be strengthened I believe everything changes and you would be captivated by the splendor and the power of God if you comprehended faith And let me tell you how powerful faith is you can't even be saved without faith that you're not saved by your works. However, you have to believe. If you don't believe in God and if you don't believe who he says he is and if you don't believe he's the son of God that died for your sins, if you do not believe, you cannot be saved. That faith is the only way you can actually partner with God. When you, when you worship, when you pray, when you have faith in God, those are the ways you partner with heaven. That's all God gave you. In other words, faith is the currency of heaven. You can't spend nothing, you can't buy nothing, you can't get anything in the kingdom of God without faith. It is everything, it's the most important thing, it's the biggest thing, and the sad part about it is many of us don't have it. We don't have faith, and what happens is there's so many different ways we display not having faith. One way we display not having faith is you have the person, this is the signs and wonders person. And there's nothing wrong with signs and wonders. I've seen signs and wonders, but we try to provoke God, like, well, God, move, or God, heal this person, or God, make this miracle, or God, do this impossible thing that only you can do. And we try to probe God and try to make God do what we think he should do in a supernatural way to prove to us his existence. But God says it doesn't work like that. He said, he that comes to me must first must first. And here is the dependency of the believer. You are the result of God. God made the first move. And the first move he made was creating you. He actually made the second move because he sent Jesus to redeem you. And now the move is on you. The play is on you. And you have to respond by believing. And there's many in this church that's not experiencing God, that's not experiencing the power, that's living broken, that don't know God, that's disconnected, and you're like, what do I need to do? You have to respond. You have to respond. In other words, faith won't work if you don't. And what works your faith is your belief. So church, I want you to get something, and I want you to get it clear, You have to untap faith. You have to grow your faith. You have to expand your faith because you will not make it as a believer. Without faith, you will not make it. So you got to figure this thing out, church. So my prayer for you today is I'm going to preach a very simple message. But my prayer for you is that you would respond with faith. You would have faith. You would gather faith. You would gather it. Now, Now, let me give you a couple faith blockers before I jump into my sermon. One of the things that block your faith is your sight. Do you know that your flesh is contrary to the Spirit of God? It's opposed to the Spirit of God. Everything in your physical body is fighting and declaring war against faith. The way you think, the things you hear, the things you see, the places you go, the people you talk to. The Bible says the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. And everything is designed to pull you out of the presence and out of the power and out of the glory of God. And you got to say, no, I'm going to walk by faith and I'm going to trust God in spite. I'm going to believe God even when I can't trace God. And when you do that, friends, you will see the power and the manifestation of God. I got a story I would like to share and I'll jump into my word. But um, I think this was probably around Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday, I could be messing up the days. Around Wednesday or Thursday, I was talking to God earlier in the day, and I felt like God told me that somebody in our church couldn't pay their car note. I just feel like the Lord spoke to me, and he said, they can't pay the car note. Now, before I dig into this, here's what you got to understand. Faith isn't just designed to get you a blessing. Faith is designed to make you a blessing. It's not just designed to get you one. It's designed to make you one. And the reason why some of you guys aren't seeing your blessing is because the Bible says when you give, it shall be given unto you. And there are some things God can't give unto you because you're not giving. And the reason why you're not giving is because you're not hearing, and you don't have faith if you can't hear because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So to even have faith, you got to be able to hear what the Lord is saying. So the Lord spoke to me and he said, somebody can't pay their car note. Then he came very directly. He said, this person can't pay their car note. And I'm like, God, why are you telling me (laughs) my car note paid? Amen. (laughs) Don't tell me, God, tell somebody else. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to save up a little bit. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, they can't pay their car note. So I said, okay, God. And at that moment, God was like, hey, you know what I'm saying? I need you to go ahead and. Bless this person. But, you know, being hard headed, you like, you know, if I'm, you ask me to give money, I need some confirmation. Amen. I need, I need to see it, dotted on the line. Like, I need, I need, let everything be confirmed in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Lord, I'm just one. I need two or three to confirm this. So I end up calling this person and I was like, hey, you know, what's going on in life and stuff like that? Is everything good? You know, have you been able to, you know, pay your car note? I just kind of asked. And this person was like, no, I haven't been able to pay my car note. So I said, All right. I said, How much is your car note? And I'm like, I'm sitting here like, Lord, this car note better be in reason. I'm gonna, like, Michael Jack. So I'm going to backslide, Lord. Don't play with me. And this person was like, Well, my car note is $411. And I, I received the Cash App shortly before I called this person from one of my clients uh, doing some business for them. And I remember it being like around four something. And I looked at my Cash App and it was $411, the exact amount that this person needed. They're in the room right now. I'm not making this up. The exact amount. The crazier part of this is, before I was talking to them about their card, we was actually talking about Hebrews 11, because I preached Hebrews 11 last Sunday. So then after that, I said, okay, this is my confirmation. So I sent the $411 about 20 minutes later, somebody that was supposed to pay me way later on some shirts I made them sent me $511, $100 more than I just sent this person. So then I had Christina ask me a question, and she was like, what's up with all these 11s? Like, this person needed 411, and then you got 511 back. Y'all was reading Hebrews 11. What's up with the 11s? And I was like, wait. We was reading Hebrews 11, I sent 411, God sent 511. God was showing us how magnificent he is, how direct he is, how he can line everything up, how he can dot his eyes and cross his T's. God is so big, he's so omnipotent that he can supernaturally line up numbers to bring confirmation. God's that big. And literally, this person was blessed, and they had been believing God all day. And this ain't about me, it's about this person. They was believing God. They was trusting God. God told them he would provide, and he did. And though God gave that person their card note pay, he expanded my faith. And God used me to be a blessing. And when God used me to be a blessing, I tell you not, the next couple of days, I mean, miracles on miracles, a million little miracles, God just started blessing me, expanding my business. And I just started sending money out. I'm like, God, who else, who else needs some money? I'm praying. <laughs> Maybe you got a cash out. And I'm just praying, like, God, use me. And God started using me, and I sent out a ton of money. Because God blessed me to be a blessing. Faith isn't just to get you blessed. Faith is to use you to bless someone else. So I'm going to show you something. In the Word of God, if you have your Bible, go to James chapter 2. It says, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Wait, wait, let me stop right here. Some of you guys think you have faith because you believe in God? See, in this verse, they all, they always try to make this about believing in God. But he said, dude, the demons believe in God. So don't brag about your theologies. I believe there is a God. I believe in God. The demons believe in God. And guess what? They probably believe in him on a deeper level than you because they're getting beat up by him every day. So the demons believe in God, so God is saying belief ain't enough. Faith isn't belief. So many times we say faith is belief. Faith is not just belief. Belief is natural. Faith is supernatural. It's not just belief. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? If your faith don't work, the Bible says you have dead faith. Your faith isn't alive, it's dead, it needs a resurrection. And the proof of alive faith is works. Now you're not saved by works, at least no man should boast, but your faith should have works. Watch this. It says, was not Abraham our father justified by works? When he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar, do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by his works, faith was made perfect. Let's break this down, church. Let's break this down. The Bible says faith without works are dead. In other words, it's dead. It's not alive. It's not potent. It doesn't exist. And the Bible says proof of faith is works. Your works is the proof of faith. Now, your works doesn't make faith. God ain't doing anything for you because of your works. You're not saved by your works. You're not being blessed by your works. God is not just responding to your works. Your works is just physical proof that faith exists. It's just physical proof. In other words, if you say you have faith and don't work, that's dead faith. That's lying faith because the true essence of faith is action. You cannot have faith without having action. You cannot have faith without having action. If you have faith, it will always require and pull out action. Faith moves, faith believes. Faith responds, and God is saying right here, everybody that had faith, there was a work attached to it. And if you look at every miracle in the Bible, every miracle had instructions. Mary said something so powerful to the people when Jesus was at the wedding when they ran out of wine. He said, she said, do everything he tells you to do. See, the reason why you're not seeing the miracle is because you have faith, but you're not following the instructions attached to faith. Because the thing about Jesus, when he gives you faith, he will always give you instruction because following instruction is proof of believing in faith. If you don't follow the instructions, if you don't walk, if you don't move, you don't have faith because faith is acting like God is telling the truth. It's not thinking God is telling the truth. It's acting like God is telling in the truth faith is acting like it is so even when it ain't so in order that it may be so simply because god said so and if you believe he said it if you believe he decreed it if you believe he promised it you will begin to walk out what god has promised you faith without works is dead i'm not saved by my works i'm not accepted by my works but i am proved by my words and god says if you truly believe me you will move You will move, you will move, you will move, and your movement will begin to activate God because the truth of faith. See, here's the difference between belief and faith. See, belief means I can sit in belief. See, faith is actually an action word. You can't just sit and have faith. You can sit and believe, but you have to move in faith. In other words, if you're sitting and not moving, that's not faith, that's belief. But if you have faith, you would move in the things of God, move in the ways of God, move in the power of God, move with the hand of God. That's good. That's good. Faith is dead if it sits still. Still, faith is dead faith. Let me say it again. Still, faith is dead faith. Faith without works is dead. And I love telling this story, but I'll never forget this day. I went to this rich guy's house and I went in there and I ended up getting the bubble guts. Boop, 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 and I got the bubble guts and I was so afraid. Like, you ain't never had the bubble guts. And you know, when you, when you got the kind of bubble guts, you can't do nothing about it. And you got to get all tight, booty, and you walking like this. I had those. And if I just spread it in my legs, the <laughs> deposit was going to be made. And I went to this man's bathroom and I would never forget, I went in there real quick and I sat down on this man's toilet and I was like, so help me God, blew his bathroom up. I lit that man's bathroom on fire. His bathroom would never be the same. It's forever changed. And as I'm sitting here in shame, rejection, and condemnation, I'm like, how did I get here? How did I fall so far from the glory of God? This is not holy, it's not sacred, it's not spiritual, this is sinful. And I'm sitting in a pot of sin and I'm sitting here like, I've messed up every business deal, he's not investing in me, I'm looking, and then it gets worse. I, I go and I wipe up, okay, I'm pulling myself back together, you know what I'm saying? And then I look back, I didn't see a flush, but I ain't tripping yet. I look to the other side, I didn't see a flush, and now I'm sitting here, wiped up, Bluest bathroom up with no flush. Ah! So I'm sitting here and there's no flush. This man's bathroom is blew up. The smell is just incensing the whole bathroom. It was that runny stuff. I just got to tell her how it is. Tell the truth, shame the devil. And I'm sitting here in sin and in condemnation because I can't flush the toilet. So at that point, I'm a pretty crafty guy. So I said, there's a window. If I jump out this window, I can go and run in my car and escape. And then finally, I got my plan together. I'm like, I got to sneak out this man's house because this is messing up everything. And the moment I got up and the next thing you know, I heard water release and the toilet flushed. And then I realized this man had a motion-activated toilet. And in order for the toilet to flush, I had to move. And when I moved, the toilet moved. When I moved, the toilet moved. And some of you guys are saying that you're waiting on a move from God. God says, where's your works? I'm waiting on a move from you. And if you move, gotta move. Just like that. If you move, gotta move. Just like that. If you move, gotta move. Just like that. I ain't never scared. Jesus Christ got my back. And God is saying that if you would move in faith, God is saying when he speaks a word to you, if you will walk in that word, when God said if you pray for your son every day, he will know the Lord. Quit waiting. Quit looking at his behavior. Quit looking who he's hanging out with. Begin to pray every day, every morning, every night, and watch God bring your son back to Christ. You got to believe God. You got to believe. Some of you guys, God is asking to start a business, and you're saying, well, I don't have the money for the business. I'm going to just sit and wait on God. God said, have you found the land? Have you talked to the manufacturers? Have you begin to work this thing out? Because as you begin to walk in faith, what God promised begins to materialize. And the problem with faith that we don't like is it's not hocus pocus. It's not abracadabra. It's not that God just makes something out of nothing and it appears. The Bible says God wants to take you from glory to glory to glory, to glory. In other words, God is saying, When I call you to do something, I may just give you a small piece of it. When God called me to be in ministry church, the first thing the Lord gave me was a couple people. Young and dumb. I'm sorry, y'all, I love y'all. Little young, dumb things. I'm like, Lord, how you gonna give me some young dumb things and call me to change the city. You can at least give me some smart. No, I'm playing y'all are smart, I'm joking. But God gave me some young little kids. They were like 18 and 19. I'm like, I can't get someone 22 at least. But I walked in faith and God gave me something. And then at that point, like you all do, I started asking for more. Well, God, we need this and we need that and we need this and we need that. No, God said, you need to mind what I gave you. You need to cultivate what I gave you. You need to develop what I gave you. You need to pour into what I gave you. And I began to just go up to the college and pour into these kids, teach them everything I knew about God and everything I ever heard in church and every Bible verse I knew. And I began to mind them and pour into them and develop them and cultivate them. And then God said, all right, now what's next? And I was like, okay, God, give us a church. He said, no, how about you go reach somebody? How about you go teach somebody? How about you go pray for somebody? Take somebody to lunch. And then I did that on that step. And then step by step, God would be faithful. And he would release just enough to fulfill the step. And many of you guys don't like faith because faith ain't magic. Faith ain't giving you a full picture. Faith only gives you pieces to the puzzle. It never gives you the full picture. Because you would have more faith in the picture than you do the creator. And the creator says, I'm going to give you just enough to keep on moving and to keep on walking so you can keep trusting me. That's why when they was in the wilderness, God gave them their daily bread. And he gave them their daily bread because he knew humanity. They wanted to go store bread for the month so they can have their little security so they can be undependent on God. And God said, I'm not giving you no security. No, I'm going to give you daily bread. Every morning, you're going to have to trust me. Every day, you're going to have to trust me. Every step of the way, you're going to have to trust me. God says, my promises are attached to my person. And if you want the promise... Step by step by step, you're going to have to walk steadfast with the person. So my question for you is, church, what do you not have because God didn't give you enough? What do you not have because God didn't meet your mission statement? What do you not have because your story don't look like someone else's story? So what are you being lazy in that you should be crazy in because it's not going the way you want it to go? God's called me to have a ministry. You won't even talk to your coworkers. God's called me to reach people. Your kids ain't even saved. How you going to save the world and your kids running from Jesus? God is saying, you got it twisted. God is saying, I've given you everything for this season around you. And the reason you're in this same spot is because I am waiting for you at the last place of instruction. When Jesus was at the wedding, he said, fill the water pots. If they didn't, they would have never seen water turn into wine. What water pots are you not filling that's stopping Jesus from turning your life from dirty water to purified wine? Because without God, we can't, but without us, God won't. Without God, we can't do it, but without us, God won't do it. And every miracle has instructions attached to it. Every single one. Do you know if Moses would have never stretched out his stick, the sea would have never parted. Every miracle required somebody to walk out something. And you don't want to walk out nothing. You don't want no troubles. The moment it gets hard, you start thinking it's not God. It's, this is hard. This is uncomfortable. This ain't fair. This ain't God. Oh, church, it is God, because God is going to give you a faith, and God is going to make it work, and I love to say it this way, God's going to make your faith work out. He's going to put some resistance on the other side of your faith, and you're going to have to work out, you're going to have to push through, you're going to have to fight through, you're going to have to pray through, and you're going to have to push through to get to that next level of what God is calling you to get to. Faith without works are dead. Now, works doesn't authenticate faith, works just... Proves faith. The response to faith is work. So God is just saying, see, God, God isn't saying, hey, I'm, requ- I'm requiring you to have works. God is saying that works is your proof that you have faith. It's your proof. It's not God's proof. God knows your heart. He knows if you have faith or not. The reason why he said faith without works is dead, so when you say I'm believing in you, God, and you don't see nothing, God is saying faith won't work if you don't faith won't work if you don't. Because if you truly have faith, my word is going to send you to work. Let me say it again. My word is going to send you to work. And let me prove it. Because God even said, a man that doesn't work shouldn't eat. A man that doesn't work should not eat. In other words, God says that if you are lazy, And you don't work, you shouldn't eat. So God is saying, you're not going to eat my promises and my blessings and my goodness and my fruitfulness if you're not willing to work. Faith won't work if you don't. And if you won't work in faith, you have to work your faith. If you want not work in faith, you have to work in faith. So what area in your life, what do you believe in God for? What are you trusting God? Is it money? Is it, is, do you need to provide for your kids? Do you need to pay for their college? Is it a ministry? Is it a business? What are you trusting God for? And are you working it to the fullest with all you got? Right. And if you did that, I promise you, you would see God meet you there and take you to the next level. Somebody give our king a shout of praise. I'm going I'm I'm to give you an illustration. If you have your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to move a little fast. I'm almost out of time. Genesis chapter 22. It's the first book in the Bible. Read about Abraham, the father of faith. I got a really powerful sermon on faith next week, too. So you definitely want to be here to hear that. It says, now it came to pass after these things, uh, chapter 22, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him. Let me stop right there. It says, God tested Abraham. I heard a lot of people saying, God don't test people. God don't test people. God don't test people. What Bible are you reading? Now, God doesn't tempt people, but God does test people because what's not tested can't be trusted. Now, God already knows if he can trust you or not. He just needs you to know what's going on. God needs to know if you can trust you or not. The test isn't to prove to God he can trust you. The test is for God to prove to you you can trust you. Faith that's not tested can't be trusted. God tested Abraham not for God's knowledge. He tested Abraham for Abraham's knowledge. So if you're doing something for God, you will be tested. The Bible even says in James that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. God is saying, I can't even give you persevering faith if it's not tested faith. Faith has to be tested. Faith has to be put under fire. So it says, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac. Wait, only son Isaac? Um, But what about Ishmael? Didn't Abraham have a son, Ishmael? It's because Ishmael wasn't the co-heir. He wasn't the promised son, and Ishmael was disconnected from the family. So at this particular point, it's almost as if this is Abraham's only son son. And it says, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I should tell you. So Abraham, Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had showed him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Verse six, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son. First of all, dad, you better get this wood off me. I ain't, dad, I I love you, dad, but don't play with me. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father! And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? So he said, Dad, here's the fire, here's the wood, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself The lamb for an offering or a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar. So he's sitting over here and it's like, Dad, where's the sacrifice for the burnt offering? And his dad's like, Well, God will provide a sacrifice. And Abraham's like, You know, God always provides. He goes, You know, he got him a sacrifice. Next thing you know, he got bound. He got tied up. And put on a stick. Wait, you said God was going to provide, and you didn't tie your boy up? Like, you didn't tie. So, so he's tied up, and Isaac, his son, and, and he laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay him. Y'all, this is his son. Any parents in the room, if you a parent, wave at me. Imagine having to grab your only begotten son or daughter and tie them up, and to raise a knife to slay him. Because God asked you. At that point, God, you're just going to have to find someone else. I'm not your guy. I'm just, my baby, God, we just can't do this, God. We just, I just can't do this. Slice me up. I'm cool. But don't slice my baby girl, Lord. Like, please. Just please. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hands on the lap or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught up in the thickness by his horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. Or the Lord will see this through. As it is said to that day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Wow, church, this is such, such a powerful verse. And it even goes to the song we were singing in Jireh. It's such a powerful verse because here's the deal. God called Abraham to go to Mount Moriah. And when he called him to go to Mount Moriah, he had to journey to Mount Moriah for three days. And he told him that he would have to sacrifice his son. So for three days, he had to walk with the fear and the anxiety and the anguish and the despair of a dead son for three days. He walked with a dead son. Because if God said he had to do it, and Abraham is the father of faith, if God said it, he, got, he has to do it, so to him for three days, his son is the walking dead. Son is dead for three days. Why would God ask him to take his son? Why would God tell him he had to kill his son? And why would God let him have this anguish for three days? Because God said, I am making a covenant with you, Abraham, and you will be the father of faith. And if you're going to father faith, and if the covenant with me is going to be through you, I have to know that you're willing to experience what I experienced. I had to know that you're willing to go where I went. Because the father was saying, Abraham, you would have to walk three days with your son being the walking dead, feeling despair like your son is dead. But there's another father that would actually have his son dead for three days, seven days. Separated from him. So if I'm going to work through you, I'm going to have to test you and see if you're willing to experience what I experience. And then he walked him up to Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah. And the thing about Mount Moriah is it's a very, very unique place because Abraham named it actually Jehovah Jireh. He named it the place that God will provide. And the reason why he named it that the place that God will provide is because the same thing that Abraham told Isaac. It said God will provide a sacrifice himself. He didn't know he was prophesying right there because that's exactly what would happen. God would provide a sacrifice himself. He would actually sacrifice himself on your behalf and he would bleed and be crushed and broken and twisted and squeezed for your sins. In other words, Abraham, you don't have to provide the sacrifice. God is going to provide the sacrifice himself. And the beautiful thing is that same exact place that God had called Abraham to take his son, that's the same place down the line that Jesus would be crucified at. That's the same place where his cross would be placed. So he was crucified and he provided in the exact place that he told Abraham that he would provide in. Church, you got to get this, church. you got to understand this, that the Lord will provide. And right there was a prophecy because years down the line, the Lord actually sacrificed his son on that same exact altar. But the reason why he, he had a covenant with Abraham, the reason why Abraham was the father of faith is because Abraham was willing to go to distance. He was willing to do what we needed God to do. And God said, I can trust him and he can trust himself. I can have covenant with him because he is willing to give his son. He's willing to to be a co-heir with me. But guess what? If God wanted to do that through Abraham, why couldn't God just say, Abraham, Abraham, I wanna make a covenant with you. Why did he make him travel three days, tie his son up, bound him, and pull a knife to his neck? Because if faith don't work, faith is dead. If faith don't work, Faith is dead. Because if he truly believed God, he'll do it. It wasn't him doing it that got him the covenant. It was the proof of the covenant by him doing it. My question for you is, church, what are you not doing? What instructions have God given you that you're not following? Because right here we clearly see that the blessing of Abraham is by faith, but God required him to travel for three days. He had to bring animals, he brought two servants, he brought his son, he had to time up, he had to go up to Mount Moriah, and he had to hold a knife to his throat. And then God intervened. Of course, God wasn't going to let anything happen, but look at the working of Abraham's faith. But let me tell you something, friends, you can always work your faith because it's not by your works, it's not by your strength, it's not by your faith. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. He will provide for your family, he will provide for the business, he will provide for the ministry, he will provide for whatever he's asking you to do. It's not your strength, it's not your might, it's not your wisdom, it is the Lord's provision. Jehovah Jireh, my great provider. Come on somebody, shout my great provider. Come on, shout my great provider. If you believe God is a provider, give him a five-second praise break. Come on, somebody. Faith won't work if you don't. And I love the language in the Bible because God said your only begotten son to make it personal so Abraham could actually feel what the father would feel. Um, Ephesians 3 Ephesians 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly Above all that we can think or act, Above. So you have a God that can do above, abundantly above, all that you can act or think. He can do abundantly above, way above. He's not just enough God. He is a God of overflow. He is a God of running over. Not just enough God, but more than you would ever need. Exceedingly, abundantly above all that you can act or think. Some translations say, or even imagine. He can do it. That family member, he can do it. That situation, he can do it. Your life, he can do it. He can, he can make you the one that changes your family. He can make you the one that changes his job. See, the problem with us having faith is we have small faith. And I want to tell you, church, don't insult God with small thinking. Don't insult God with small thinking. You're over here believing for a car. God is saying, when are you going to start believing for a city? You over here believing for a blessing, God is saying, when are you going to start believing for your family? When are you going to believe for your job to be reached? God is saying, don't insult me with small thinking because I'm able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask, think, or imagine. I can do it abundantly, wail above. You can't even fathom what I can do. Look at the galaxies. Look at the Milky Ways. That's just a piece of my splendor. But the most important part of the verse is it said, according to this power. This power. This power. Now, my question for you is not, do you have power on the inside of you? Because the Bible says when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he would baptize us in fire. There would be a power, Acts 1 and 8 says, the Holy Spirit will put power inside of you. Power will come upon you. So my question is not, do you have power? My question is, is the power working? Is the power working? Because it said God can do exceedingly and abundantly, above all you can ask or think according to this power, working in Us, which means God can't do none of that if the power isn't working. God said the power is present, but is the power working? And let me show you kind of what this means. Right here, I have a water, some good water. I hope Christina prepared it for me. I'm going to have to drink it, so i pray it's good. But I have this water, and when I unscrew the top to this water— And drink it. Guess what it tastes like? Water. (laughs) The only problem is, this water is full of sugar. And if you would look close at the bottom of my bottle, you will see that this water is packed with sugar. And the problem is, I just drank this water, and I didn't taste no sugar. There was sugar in it, But the sugar wasn't working. The sugar was complacent. It was settled. It wasn't moving. And it wasn't working. So I never tasted it. And this water had this sugar, this component, this power present on the inside. But it couldn't do anything because it wasn't working. And many of you guys, it's like this bottle of water. You have the Holy Spirit and power on the inside of you. You have the mighty one, the holy one, the one that can change everything. All miracle power. The Bible says this is dunamis power, which means dynamite power, explosive power, and it also means potential power. Which means that if it's not working, though it has unlimited potential, nothing happens. And this has the potential to be sugar water, but it would never be sugar water until it starts working. And you have this power of the Holy Ghost inside of you, but nothing's happening in your life because this power in you isn't working. How do you get the power to start working? You got to shake up the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You gotta stir the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. And if you will begin to shake it up, if you will begin to stir it up, stir up the gift of God on the inside of you. Stir, stir up the salvation that God has given you, the passion for the loss, everything that God is calling you to do, begin to stir it up on the inside of you. And I promise, if I open this water now, I can taste the sugar. I can taste it potent, why? Because the power is working. My question, church, is the power of the Holy Ghost working inside of you? Are you shaking it up? Are you sitting complacent? According to this power working in us, you can have power and then not be working. So my question is, how do you shake up the power you shake up the power with action you shake up the power with moving you shake up the power with words and as you begin to trust god and believe god and you begin to work peter stepped out the boat before he could walk on water no 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 water didn't come and get peter out the boat peter stepped out then he can walk on water he said lord if it be you bid me to come and jesus said come he walked and the water held him why? Because the moment he walked, he began to stir up the power on the inside of him. I'm telling you right now, church, when you walk in what God has asked you to walk in, and you begin to work in what God has called you to work in, you start shaking the power of God inside of you. He said to him who was able to do abundantly and exceedingly above all we can ask and think or imagine, according to this power, there wasn't a period there. This power working in us. You can have power and then not be working. And how do you make power work? How do you make power work? It's the same way in your house. You have power, electricity. It's all over your house. But guess what? If you don't hit the light switch, you can have power and then not work. If you don't turn on the remote control on the TV, you can have power and then not work. If you don't turn the faucet, you can have power and it not work because power is the response to work. So church, I just want you to know God has anointed you with power. Are you willing to work?